What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast, Dog Mom Mentality, where we strive to play with dogs and not emotions. I am your virtual bestie, Caroline, and I have my furry friend here, Layla, and we are going to give you a break from your day to talk about all things dogs and emotional well-being. If you have ever been emotionally affected by your dog, then this is the podcast for you. Howdy, howdy, everyone. I hope you are having a great day, and thank you so much for being here listening to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. This episode is sure to make your day even sweeter because I am talking to one of the kindest people ever. Kay was just Oh my gosh, she was just such a sweet person to talk to. She was so open and kind, and I immediately felt like I was best friends with her. And after we have been chit-chatting over on messages, and we've even talked on the phone some about her starting a little something, a little cool project of her own. And I just, I really love talking to her. So I can't wait to get into today's episode and tell you more about her. But before we get into that, I am so stoked because we are just a little over two weeks until the journal Growing and Healing launches. I cannot believe that it is this close. But to celebrate that, I have made three free offerings that you can try out to get a little glimpse of what the journal is like, what it might make you feel like, to get your head in the right place, to get that mindset and confidence growing and building already. So you can find those three freebies in the show notes or on my website under the freebies tab. But there are, well, there's actually five free things on there right now, but three of them are pertaining to the journal and really just getting you ready and prepped for that launch. So there is a journal prompt for navigating stress with your dog. And this journal prompt is set up and laid out exactly how the journal prompts in growing and healing are. So it'll give you a glimpse of the layout. It'll give you like a feel for how things are set up. So I didn't want you to wait any longer to get your hands on something that was laid out very similar to how the journal prompts and growing and healing are. So you can check out that one for navigating stress with your dog. And then there are two others. There is one that is a list of mindfulness practices specifically for dog owners, which can be really fun. And I put in some really creative mindfulness practices in there that you can incorporate your dog into. And then there is another one that is a mood tracker for you and your dog. And then you can print out as many pages as you need for however many dogs you have. But this will really help you to keep track and find patterns and maybe see like if there are certain days of the month or certain things that came up that really affected you and your dog. And really just see how your energy plays with each other. So that was is a really cool one to just try out and get you in the habit of tracking something and looking at data and patterns every day. So you can find those three freebies along with two others. There's the podcast playlist, and then there is a phone backgrounds freebie that has graphics from the t-shirt collection and some from the journal launch that you can download and use as phone backgrounds on your phone to help remind you about how great of a dog owner you are. But you can find all of those in the show notes or in the link in my bio on Instagram and TikTok, and it will take you right to those. And then by signing up, you'll also just get all the details on when the journal comes out. 
Now to tell you about our fabulous guest. Kay, Jake, and their two pups, Tyra and Ray, live in Northern Virginia and are known for their account, Wheeled Up Pup. Kay brought Tyra home when she was just five weeks old after she was born with deformed front legs and was sent to be euthanized by the breeder. Kay and Jake helped Tyra learn to walk and figure out how to use her first set of wheels. It was clear that she now was their dog after learning how to walk with them, and her adoption was made official last fall. Tyra is now a spunky six-pound pup and has taught Kay so much about resilience, about seeing a story beneath a behavior, about being your full self unapologetically, and about prioritizing joy and playfulness. She is just such an advocate for her dog. She's an advocate for other dogs with a handicap or a disability. And she was just such a joy to talk to because she really sees Tyra just as any other dog. And that's really what we talk about and about the resilience and the playfulness that Tyra has shown her. And also about the empathy that we have gained as dog owners because we have seen and gone through these experiences with our dogs and have learned how to communicate with them, how to understand them more. And oh my gosh, it was just such an impactful episode for me. And I loved talking to Kay. So we are going to jump right on into this episode with Kay. No matter the age of your pet, so much planning is involved when setting them up for success. From the hours of training, to the socialization, to the confidence building. But have you ever considered that the thing causing them a difference in their behavior, whether it's agitation or anxiety, might be a bit more complex than just training? This past year, I began to factor in how Layla's digestion could be affecting her behavior and mood. I didn't previously consider this because it really isn't something that you can outwardly see, nor could she communicate that to me. But after reading her food label, I decided to find a brand that was more balanced, holistic, and fueled her for all of our training and play sessions. But I still wanted it to be convenient for me and all of our trips and even hand feeding. This is when Solid Gold entered our lives. Layla was immediately obsessed with their food and I am equally obsessed with the benefits she gets from it. Up to 80% of a pet's immune system is influenced by the gut, making the nutrients, vitamins, and minerals so important to your pet's overall health and well-being, which, you guessed it, also includes things like their nervous system and behavior. Layla has been eating Solid Gold's new Nutrient Boost line, which is powered by plasma, making it extra nutritious, extra delicious, and providing extra immunity. The added plasma ingredient works to reduce inflammation and increase absorption, making sure that she gets every nutrient possible in her little tummy. And all of this is in kibble form, making it extremely easy and functional for us. Beyond their large variety of customizable food, Solid Gold also makes meal toppers, flavorful bone broths, and supplements. You can snag their products on Amazon, Chewy, Petco, and PetSmart. And find all the details about Solid Gold on their website, solidgoldpet.com. That's also linked in the show notes. Layla assures you that you will not regret checking out Solid Gold for your pet. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. 
Yeah, I I was looking through your page yesterday and I just was like getting so excited. I saw that one time you were on uh, the Today Show or like a segment of the Today Show. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, thanks. It's been kind of a funny, it's not a thing I ever imagined for myself, but it's been fun that Tyra's story has been infectious and that we've had opportunities to share it and we're particularly excited about this one. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Um, I was, you, I, we had like talked a little bit and then I put something up on my story, I think, and you like reached out and said like, we would love to talk about that. And I was like, okay, perfect. Like, I think you guys would be um, a perfect group to talk to, um, like a dog owner, dog team. Um, and Tyra's story is, is really, really cool. So let's just like hop right on into it. So if you want to give a brief intro to like who you are, who your dogs are, um, and what makes Tyra really special. Absolutely. So I'm Kay Scary. I live in Northern Virginia. I spend all my time thinking about community formation and how do we be in good relationship with other people and with our neighbors. And that's kind of my professional world is that. Um, I love to connect with people. And so when the pandemic happened, I am, you know, like early days of 2020, we thought it was going to be two weeks of a shutdown and then we'd all be back to normal. Even that, I was like, I'm not going to survive. We need a dog. And so (laughs) we adopted we fostered Ray. Um, I had been traveling for work before that. And so I knew I was going to be home for two weeks. So we decided we would foster. We fostered Ray first. She's a 70 pound black lab mix. She's um, just a delight. She's easygoing. She's always been just kind of very calm, very fun, loves people. My husband had never had a dog before and she became housebroken, knowing basic commands. And I was like, listen, if we're going to have a dog, we should probably keep this dog. So we adopted Ray in March of 2020 um, and then continued to foster throughout the pandemic until June 2021 is when we brought home Tyra. And she's kind of the opposite of Ray. She's a five pound. We brought her home. She's half a pound, but she's five pounds now. She's a spunky little uh, pup on wheels. She was born with deformed front legs. And uh, she's a lot of personality, has a lot to say, Um, also loves people, but the two of them are a really fun pair. So the uh, four of us, my husband, Jake, Ray, Tyra, and I just are figuring it all out together now. She looks like so sassy. You know what I mean? Like she looks like a sassy pup. She's so sassy. I love it. Yeah. When we picked her up, so I picked her up from the rescue and she was on a transport with a bunch of other dogs and the driver handed the crate to me and was like, whatever's in there is spicy. (gasps) That's so funny. (laughs) She was five weeks, literally half a pound. And that has been the truest thing anyone's ever said about her. (laughs) She's very spicy. (laughs) From day one, like you knew what you were getting yourself into with her. Literal day one. Yeah. That's so funny. So you got Ray in 2020. And then how many dogs did you foster in between? Yeah, we fostered four. Yeah, we had mostly fostered dogs with Parvo. So we weren't able to do frequent fostering. We had them for longer periods of time as they were recovering and so on. Okay, so I was reading your story with another 
I don't, I don't remember like, uh, what company was with, but something that like was on your Instagram. Um, it wasn't the today show, but it was another, mm-hmm. um, you know, public mm-hmm. or published writing, whatever. And it said that, um, Oh, I just lost my train of thought while I was trying to think of the word. <laughs> That's okay. Um, Lord, it's a it's a Friday. We're we're about right. to start it's Labor Day for weekend. A holiday weekend. That's right. I know. I know. We're we're struggling. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, let me see what I was trying to think of. Um. Oh yes. So I I was reading one of the articles mm-hmm. and it said that the shelter contacted you about Tyra and said like she has deformed legs, um, but you had been fostering through the same shelter. Mm-hmm. So have you like did you have experience with special needs dogs or like I guess why sure. you know why did they contact you? And yeah. how, why were you interested? So it wasn't directly me. The way that our shelter kind of functions is we all like we've we've been approved to foster, and they send out an email blast anytime they have a dog that needs a foster to okay. be on their list with like this is what the dog's care needs are going to be. So we, I got the email. It's strategically those emails come to me and not my husband. <laughs> so <laughs> I got the email, and it said. We have this little dog. It was dropped off to be euthanized. We don't really know much about its story. Uh, She was dropped off in like a rural town in West Virginia from a breeder. And that decided instead to call their local shelter who called our shelter. And so they said, we really just need someone who's willing to help us figure out what this dog is going to need long term. Anyone up for it? And they, Mm -hmm. they said, like, we'll be with you. We'll support you along the way. But we just need someone who's willing and um, Jake was <laughs> working in a different state or a different city for the summer. And it was okay. the day that he left. So I was like, I'm up for it. And I sent him a picture of her and he said, I can't say anything nice about this dog because you'll bring it home. And then yeah. <laughs> immediately sent him a picture of her and me. I was like, too late. Like, say all the nice things you want. So that's so the origin story of us bringing Tyra home. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, I mean, she is really, really cute. You know what I mean? Like she has the cutest little face, I think. And it does like draw you in. Like she just literally does scream like spicy and sassy and cute, I think. So I could like totally understand how you saw the listing and was like, yeah, I'm up for it. Like I'll try. Yeah. And so, I have not ever worked with a dog with special needs before. And I've never had a small dog. I've always had big dogs. So I never imagined myself with a little dog. And I never imagined myself with a dog with with special needs. So totally new territory for me. Right. Okay. So like brand new then. Mm-hmm. It would be brand new for me as well. So I grew up with a smaller dog growing up, but I've never been around a dog that utilizes wills like how Tyra does. I've never even seen one out in public. I don't think I was trying to rack my brain. Like, have I ever seen this? And I don't think that I have. So she was born with the deformed legs, right? It didn't happen after birth. Yes. Right. She was born this way, which she's never had any pain. So she's not, she's not uncomfortable. She's not, I mean, there are things that are not comfortable for her that are comfortable for other dogs, but like the deformity itself, isn't painful, isn't uncomfortable. So she's, we always, 
my go-to joke is that she thinks dogs with four legs are weird. So, oh, that's, that's what joke. we always say. <laughs> yeah, it looks like she's able to do literally everything a four-legged dog could do. I mean, she plays, she hikes, mm-hmm. like walks. I mean, she she does everything. And I've seen multiple pictures of her without the wheels on. Yeah. So, like, what's her mobility like without the wheels? Yeah, it's exceptional. She mostly – we mostly use her wheels when we're outside the house, except okay. she uses her wheels at mealtime because it helps her body to be mm-hmm. straight, if you will. Um, so without her wheels, she hops. She usually kind of launches herself with her back legs. And then her two front arms – one side she can put a little bit of weight on. The other side has no bone structure, so she can't use it at all. So the one she can use, she kind of, we call the little spot her elbow. She, like, will launch with her back legs and use that little spot to catch herself so her chin doesn't hit the ground. And mm-hmm. then just kind of shift her weight again and launch with her back legs. Once okay, once. understood. Oh. Yeah, because it looks like she can literally literally do everything. I have to pick up the pace to catch her when she starts chasing, like, the stray cats in our neighborhood. Like, she can move. That's so funny. It's so funny. Especially because she's a small dog, like just to have that much speed. She really has there ever has there ever been anything that like you felt like you couldn't do with her or like you felt like you were being held back or she was being held back because of her mobility issues? Nothing comes to mind. I mean, it's certainly mostly thinking about certain which we now have kind of two sets of wheels we use pretty regularly. One we call her off-roads. And so thinking about the terrain we're taking her on, uh, when she has her, her most typical set of wheels has smaller wheels. And so that can get caught on gravel or things if we're not just like on the sidewalk or on pavement. So that's kind of how we adjust is figuring out which set of wheels to use. Also, she has a hard time figuring out her width. Uh, like the width of her wheels and so she'll get caught on things it's interesting like there's not really been activities we haven't been able to do and there's things that she struggles to do that I didn't cross my mind ahead of time like she can't scratch her face uh like oh yeah certain parts of her face or like one time we were trying to take a photo with her in like a little hat and she can't reach to bat it off her head, which my other dog mm-hmm. does all the time. Or like she can't hold a toy. Uh, so like right. sometimes she needs us to kind of hold the toy for her. So little things like that have been surprising. Like, oh yeah, this makes total sense. Like all the things dogs use their front legs for, she obviously can't. And so figuring out some of that has been more of a challenge than than access to different activities. That makes sense. Yeah, I saw the picture of the couch holding her Benabam to oh, yeah. for her to chew on, which I thought was so funny. Thank you. I was so um, it is really like I love my girl and I cannot always hold the toy for her. And she right hands that I hold the toy for her. And I get, like, I also need her to be able to play so she can just be distracted. And so when I finally was like, if maybe I'll just lodge this in the couch cushion, I was so pleased with myself about this discovery. No, that was, like, a good invention, a good idea (laughs) on your part. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Honestly, like, even, um, 
I might like do that for Layla at some point <laughs> as she like for me to hold the bone like kind of at her head height as well like her standing so I saw that and was like I'm actually gonna try that for Layla just Amazing. like put it in the couch cushions so you you made an invention thank you thank you <laughs> so funny so do you ever feel like because I, I like to like really relate everything back to you know our feelings as the owner mm-hmm. so have you ever felt I guess like bad or any kind of like I don't want to say like judgment but you know just like feelings of sadness or anything because mm-hmm. of her deformed legs and like obviously you have Ray who mm-hmm. is a four-legged dog and so like have you ever seen you know Ray do something and you're like oh I wish Tyra was able to do that or like felt bad because of it sure that's a really good question a couple of things come up for me I feel more sadness about um her being taken from her mom so early that's definitely mm-hmm. a learning for us like how much that affects her behavior um I think I also it she makes it really hard to feel bad sad for her because she's yeah that seems so happy and so like we follow her lead a lot one thing that has been complicated sometimes is interactions with other pups um Mm -hmm. there's kind of three reasons for that one is there's it's there's a lot of dogs who are scared of wheels (laughs) so that makes yeah. yeah, like actually Ray is scared of wheels. We've been fortunate to be able to introduce her to Tyra's in a way that that hasn't been an issue, but a lot of dogs mm-hmm. are scared of wheels. And so yeah. that's sometimes hard when she, so right now she has two wheels. When she first got wheels, she had a third wheel in the front, which made her not have a tight turning radius. And so dogs would come mm-hmm. up behind her and she couldn't turn around to get to them very easily to also smell them or encounter them. That made her super anxious. So the two wheels mitigate some of that. And it has, in the last few months, we've watched her become aware that she's small and that she doesn't get around as easily. And that are, those are the times you kind of see her get more nervous um, Mm -hmm. with other dogs, especially that she kind of knows they're bigger than me. I can't just run away necessarily. Right. And so those have been moments where she'll shake or she'll get really nervous. And those are moments that really kind of tug at my heart where I'm like, Oh, like those moments of awareness, especially because she's so rarely has any is like, she's never phased about having to form front legs that when those moments of awareness hit her in relationship to other pups and you see it, her get nervous as a response. Those moments certainly make me, me feel some sorrow. Yeah, I could totally see that, especially because, like, dogs, you know, just see, smell, mm-hmm. you know, body language, all of that. Like, that's how they interact with yeah. the other pups. Tell them, like, hey, I'm, I'm safe, I'm cool, I'm friendly. Yeah. Um, You know, just interacting with their environment that way. Yeah, exactly. And so I could totally see how her not being able to move around as quickly and, mm-hmm. you know, one, the awkward, like, turning yeah. could affect the other pup, but then her not being able to smell them or look at them yeah. in the way that she needs to could affect her. Yeah. And so I totally see that. So, like, have you had to do, 
like any kind of like advocating for her or, you know, maybe tell the other dog owner like, hey, you know, Pyra prefers if if your dog smells like this way or if you could come to the front of her. Like what has that looked like for you as a dog owner? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, It's looked like there's so many things we have to explain to other dog owners about what she needs, who she is, and how she's communicating. Another thing that's pretty significant for her is like a lot of dogs will play by pawing or like using Mm -hmm. their front legs to paw or to, you know, she can't do that. And so she really uses her voice a lot Mm -hmm. to instigate play. And sometimes it sounds aggressive and it's not. And there's this kind of dance, right, where it's both helping other dog owners learn that her growling is usually not aggressive. It's a play initiation while also honoring for other dog owners that the growling makes them or their dogs uncomfortable. It doesn't matter her intention. And so figuring out that dance is, is one piece. The other is, yeah, like helping an owner learn, Hey, if you give this kind of space, we will, um, she'll have an easier time if you let her ease in or, if you can hold her dog and let me place Tyra behind her, your dog, so she can have a chance to smell your dog without your dog interrupting that interaction because she can't recalibrate like other dogs can, that would be right. helpful. And so um, that's been a lot of that. It's, um, you know, she's small, so sometimes she needs big dogs and she really can't reach where she would like to smell them. And that, like, is also a game sometimes. But yeah. Yeah, trying to help other dog owners. Like, it's it's the designating a chance for her to smell and interact another with another dog makes all the difference. And that's just not something you have to do usually. Yeah, I feel like throughout, you know, just the last 10 minutes, I can hear how much you have had to learn as a dog owner about, like, body language and, like, how dogs interact with the environment. Oh, yeah. And, like... I feel like you've probably had to put yourself in the mind of Tyra multiple times to be like, okay, what can I do for her so that she feels more comfortable? And it's funny because I feel like you hear a lot of people talking about that, Mm -hmm. like with dogs in general, right? But because you're in this special circumstance, you have to utilize it on a daily basis. Whereas for dogs with, with four legs and their owners, you know, that thought process could just pass by sure yeah and so I feel like it's such like like what you're going through now for your dogs in the future and like for Ray and like just to teach other dog owners like what you're talking about can be so impactful and like you are just gonna have this imprinted in you now because of Tyra which I think is is like a really cool thing yeah it's really been an honor to be to have to be her dog mom like there's something really sweet about her and special and like all the ways she invites our family into more playfulness has been a treat but yeah she is (laughs) she um is much quicker when I'm not in the middle of a meeting or a interview (laughs) it's fun you said that she likes to interrupt (laughs) your work she really does good quiet that's Layla will do this to me too. She'll come and just like get up on my work chair or she'll bring me, this is her favorite toy right now. This like orange football. So she'll bring this orange football to me and just like slam it. She'll like throw it at me basically. 
Oh, yeah. When I'm, like, sitting on the couch and Tyra's also on the couch, she'll come stand up next to me and, like, fall into my face. And I'm, like, yeah, <laughs> like, on video. I'm, like, this is not a thing that is, this is the most distracting thing. Um, but, yeah, to the point of, you know, I think she's taught our family a lot about playfulness. I think, yeah, the advocacy piece is huge. The learning to understand like I just have not been able to rely on any of my default knowledge about other dogs, you know, that there's so much that's different about her. And the growling thing I think is a really good example that like, mm-hmm. you know, she loves people so much. And when she's, and she's a puppy and when she gets excited to meet a new friend, she'll wheel it right over to them, like people specifically. And then she'll start growling with like pleasure and excitement and playfulness And people all the time are like, whoa, definitely not a friendly dog. And they'll like take a step back. And then she gets sad that she's no longer Mm -hmm. interacting with her new friend. And so even those moments, I'm like, oh. And some of it's my own like getting old, like letting people misunderstand sometimes, but also the piece of like helping them understand more of her story. And when you say to somebody, yeah, if she was was any other puppy, she'd probably put her paws up on you since she can't do that. She's, She's growling. Like that's her tail's going she's playful like that's a playful growl and I've really had to learn the difference between her playful her playful growl and her not playful growls and it's almost always a playful growl and when it's not it's usually when she's feeling really scared um or the other time that's happened which has been a learning for us is like when she we've had to train her on wheels it's a totally new set of muscles she's using and so she's sore after. And so, you yeah. know, just like we get sore, but that's like not a thing I ever think about is dogs getting sore like that. Yeah. And so, you know, she is running back and forth across the floor and just running. Um, oh my God. But like after wheel training, when we're starting on a new set of wheels, it's working up the muscle group as much as it's helping her familiarize herself with wheels. And so, after her sets of wheel training, like she does not want to be pet because her whole body aches. And like, that makes sense. It makes so much sense. And I like, it's taken some real learning and it's not something that yeah. everyone's going to connect the dots around. Like, and I don't expect that we had not had to learn to connect those dots. And so we take really seriously the work of connecting those dots for other people. So she feels comfortable and so she can have good relationships with people and with other pets too. I I love that, like the connecting the dots piece and like making sure that as you learn it, you relay that to other people as well. I think that is like so crucial. Yeah. Um, I know that I've had to do that like with Layla sometimes because people just don't understand. Like, for instance, she has been scared of skateboards mm. or things with wheels. Sure. Oh, yes. And so, you know, there have been times where I would have to like tell people, oh, like she's scared of skateboards or whatever with wheels on it this is like how she acts because she's scared she you know tends to hide flee um and she's more of a flight dog instead of a fight dog like you know the barking the lunging so you know relaying that kind of information and like Mm -hmm. you know telling people up front like hey could you keep this distance away from us Mm -hmm. so she doesn't get scared of your skateboard whatever the case may be and, like, making sure that people understand that and, like, the reason why has been so crucial because it, like, just brings 
a sense of understanding and empathy on their part that really helps us. Yeah. And so I feel like it's the same for you. Yeah. I think you model that so beautifully, Caroline. I feel like I see that in your account and on the podcast. Like, I think you display what it looks like to just, I don't know. I feel like it's easy for me. I I think it's easy to either like underplay your dog's needs or overplay them. I feel like you do such a good job of meeting a moment with like, hey, here's how we can navigate this. Like you're clear about it. You give like an understanding of all the players and like, here's how we can move through this in a way that will help us all. Like, I think you model that oh my so God. beautifully. I really do. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for that. That's, I really, really appreciate that sentiment. Oh, I really, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, yeah. And I mean, I can just like hearing, you know, you talk about it and, and going through the story with Tyra, I hear how, important that is to you as well and like back to the whole thing about community building um at the beginning I think yeah. like telling these different stories mm-hmm. you know is what built the community and like we can all relate to a piece of somebody's story I, I love thinking about it that way like yeah. there might be you might not relate to the whole story but you might be able to relate to like one or two pieces of someone's story and that's how you can connect and build that community yeah absolutely. um So you've talked a lot about Tyra's wheels. And like, I know you said at one time she had three wheels. She's had, you know, Mm -hmm. her, uh, like bigger set of wheels, her smaller set of wheels, like different, different terrains, et cetera. So what has that journey been, been like Mm -hmm. to get her wheels? And even like, I wouldn't have thought about her being sore. That is such a good point. So like, what has that whole journey been like? Did you have to work with like a, occupational therapist for dogs like haven't although that's probably a good idea for me to think about um you know I would say two things that we hear about from other people all the time on our account that they haven't seen or that they didn't consider is number one is people don't often see dogs with front wheels and number Mm -hmm. two is that I don't think there's a lot of conversation about the trial and error piece of finding a set of wheels that works. And that was really new to me. And I feel really grateful. We worked with bionic pets. We just happen to live near them. There's not a lot of places that will do custom sets of wheels in the United States. We just happen to live 20 minutes from one of the more prominent. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. That's so nice. Who knew? It's so nice. And it was funny with the first time we went in, they were like, where are you coming from? I was like, uh down the road (laughs) and they were like really that like that morning they had had someone from New York like we are in Virginia they had had people from like California like they have people from wow all over and something just as a little side plug we really take seriously the privilege of being close that always Mm -hmm. to host people who are coming to get wheels as a way of trying to cut down costs like we're happy to be tour guides and friends to whoever comes to town to work with them but, oh, that is so sweet of you. Thanks. Um, but the other, to your actual question, um, you know, so we got her first set of wheels. They custom cast her to make a, a, a harness that directly fits to her body. Bionic Pets has a grow-as-you-go plan, which is wonderful. So since she was able to get her first set at a pup, as a puppy, she got her first set of wheels at five months we kind of were able to pay a flat fee that meant she could get them as she grew over time. Awesome. Really helpful. 
So our first set, like I said, was kind of three wheels, two little ones on the side, one in the front. It really helped kind of with her balance. Um, the second set, we asked for two wheels and we asked for bigger wheels for two reasons. Two, so she would have a tighter turning radius. We thought that would help her mm-hmm. in interactions with other dogs. And then we asked for bigger wheels because we just noticed that she would get caught on pebbles or cracks in the sidewalk. Also that she um, she just wants to roll in the grass. That's all she ever wanted. And she would get stuck. And so yeah. we wanted bigger wheels, which has been funny because as we posted on Instagram, all kinds of people are like, those wheels are too big. And they're actually really helpful. And, you know, we have to think about the weight of her wheels. Her wheels weigh half right. half of what she weighs. So that's a factor. And it's different for a front wheel dog because they're pushing the wheels forward instead of pulling them as they walk mm-hmm. otherwise normally. Um, and then the second set we got, uh, we had to alter because the harness was not quite long enough. Like she grew out, like she's a long dog. Yeah. And where it on her spine was causing some like discomfort and we thought it might damage her spine over time. So that was an adjustment we made. Now she's back. Then like one time the wheels were a little bit too short, um, which we thought would be helpful because something she gets frustrated about is her current, her most common sets of wheels, she can't reach the ground when she's in them to like smell things or pick things up. Right. Okay. So we wanted them to be shorter, but then that required her back legs to be bent. And it was like, she was sitting in a perpetual squat and she hated it. Oh my God. Yeah. So now we've kind of gone with this two sets. We have the one that are, that she uses primarily that have the smaller wheels are great for pavement. The balance is really good. It's a good height. The harness is really snug. Because part of it, too, is you want the harness to be snug so she's not having to use kind of her core to pull the harness right. up. It just sits up so mm-hmm. you can focus on pushing the wheels forward. Um, and then we have the ones with the bigger wheels we use for off-roading when we go to the beach or take her in grass or things like that. The training part. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, that has just been a whole journey oh, in, yeah. like, what, a year? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. We got our first set of wheels last October. So. Okay, yeah, so it's been like almost exactly a year. Yeah, so we've and had five anticipate- iterations of wheels. Of- oh my gosh, you have five? Yeah. Do you anticipate her getting another one? Or like, do you think like what she has now is probably like going to be good for the long run? I think what she has now is exactly right. And she's pretty much stopped growing. And there's a little bit of wiggle room, like they stretch enough that she can grow a smidge more without needing a new set. So that feels really great. And I think I think we got out of needing her one cart to do everything. And so it was mm-hmm. really helpful for us to be like, oh, okay, we can have these two carts that we can use depending on what we're taking her to do. That possibility truly did not cross my mind until one month ago. <laughs> so, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's been a really helpful thing. That's awesome. Yeah. So what were you saying about like the training, training. side of it? Like was she yeah. ever scared of her wheels? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think maybe not scared, but like, they're not comfortable. I mean, they are now, but at first they're not comfortable with the muscle thing. And it's so many little things that I just never considered. Like, I did not think about how it would make her sore. I did not think Mm -hmm. about like, you know, 
Derek from Bionic Pets will say this, like everyone kind of expects you put a dog in a wheels and it just takes off and its life has changed. And like homegirl just stood still for mm-hmm. a long time and like stared at me wide eyed, like, what is this? And so, you know, that's been a learning. Like sometimes the first few weeks success is like that she's in them or that she yeah. doesn't growl to get in them. And like, that was a learning how to put her in them. So she would feel comfortable with that part. Like I learned that if she faces me, she's much more comfortable going in them than if she's facing outward. Like that was a shift I made. You know, I think um, it's also, it's the giving her ch- muscles a chance to build. It's like small 15 minute se- sessions a day. It's high value treats, AKA French fries. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Um, the other thing that was a big learning for us was, you know, when she's not in her wheels, she hops. And so she right. doesn't, she's never learned how to do one foot in front of the other walking. And. Oh, okay. That just didn't even cross my mind. And so trying to help her learn to do that. Mm-hmm. Also quite a task. And then helping her figure out her width. Like she right. might just get caught on things and then stop. And so it's not. It's both figuring out how wide she is so she doesn't get caught. Also helping mm-hmm. her learn, like, when you get stuck, you can back up and readjust. Like, it's it's that your wheel is caught, not that you don't fit, you know? And so that right. has been all part of the learning with her. <laughs> oh, yeah. I bet, like, teaching her to back up, that was, like, just a huge thing. Yes. Um, because like, you know, I've taught Layla to back up as like a trick, but like you literally need it for like functional use. Uh Um, and so teaching her how to do that, did you like, I'm just like curious, did you like teach it like with treats, you know, back up, treat, back up, treat, like, yeah. Or did she kind of figure it out on her own? A little bit of both. I mean, I think she, I would say probably she figured it out mostly on her own out of necessity. Um, Mm -hmm. And we would like mostly when she would get stuck, um, we'd kind of come behind her with a treat and knowing gotcha, try and figure out how to get there. Like mostly we would use scenarios she'd get stuck in to teach her different ways she could move in her wheels instead of like training her on them just in an open room, you know, like we were trying to help her connect the learning with the utility of the learning for her and her mobility. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And I just like keep thinking about her being sore and like you not thinking about it because there have been times that stuff like that has happened with Layla, not necessarily like being sore, but her just like being sick and me being like, why are you (laughs) anxious? Like, why are you bothering me? Why are you like, just being super annoying right now. Mm-hmm. Turns out she had a UTI. And, like, that's wow. why she kept, like, asking to get outside. But it's, like, at the time, like, I just did not know. Yeah. And, yeah, once you, like, have one of those moments and then, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but, like, you're right after you found out or right after I found out, I was, like, oh, my gosh, I feel so bad. Yes. Because I she was being like really annoying. Yes. Um, but you know, it turns out she had a UTI and like she was displaying these behaviors to try to communicate totally. to me that she was uncomfortable. And that has been like such a huge thing for me ever since that happened. Now I'm like, I don't want to say like I'm analyzing every single behavior, but I just like mm-hmm. take that into consideration totally. before I jump to a conclusion 
of, oh, she's just being really annoying right now. Absolutely. Like, what might she be trying to communicate? You know? And, like, right. last night, um, we were – we had some folks – we were having dinner with some friends, and Tyra was, like, across the tile floor of their kitchen and, like, just making so much noise. And – there was this moment where they've experienced her, you know, making mm-hmm. noise if she wants me to hold her toy or if she wants, you know, for to go out. And they were like, what is she wanting? And I was like, oh, you know, I spend all day working from home. So I'm with her all the time. I was like, oh, her elbow probably hurts. She wants to be close to us, but she doesn't want to come across the tile floor. You know, mm-hmm. my friend then like went and got a little rug and set it up and came and put her next to us. And she fell right asleep. Like she was quiet. She was nearby, but like she just, and that happens like constantly that if she has to go on right. her wood floor on her little elbow, like she only has so much bandwidth that she can give to that before it may, before it hurts. And that was a huge connection for me to draw too, because I'd be like, just come over here. Like, I don't want to get you. Like, what an extra thing to require me to come pick you up until I realized like after I'd go get her that she'd be like licking her little elbow because it was hurting yeah. because of her before. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like that yeah. makes sense. I know. You know we sound like, you know, horrible dog owners. Like oh, I don't want to take you out again. Or like, oh, I don't want to go five feet to pick yeah. you up and bring you over here. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm like, but that this little peanut is demanding. Yeah. <laughs> she's a lot of wants and she likes to let you know what she wants. So, yeah, but it's been such a learning and that, you know, I think I've often really prided myself on being like relationally intuitive and mm-hmm. so it's been a real, like, it's been a real, it's required a real humility to be able to say like, there are things about her story and experience that I'm still having to figure out and that really impact all the different ways she shows up. And it's honestly the humility of like how frequently I learn that lesson in not only a dog world, but in human world too. I'm like, Oh, right. Like there's so many layers here about what might be propelling the person or dog I'm interacting with to show up in the ways they are that like, there's kind of a reverence to me to holding those possibilities of all I might not know and the mindfulness that what I don't know about other people or other dogs or at times even my dogs might really outweigh what I do know. And so that's, it's been a, like, those are values that I profess anyway and learning to practice Mm -hmm. them here has been a new thing for sure. Wow. That's like an amazing statement and thing to think about. Um, the humility piece and like the mindfulness piece, like it's, I connect with that so much. Like it's so relatable, I think. And did you say that like you work in community building and like relationships? Yeah. So like not only are you like trained in this, mm-hmm. but now you're like seeing it from a whole different aspect and like new perspective Yeah. that I'm sure you can like come to your, you know, your job now and be like, you know, my dog pointed this out to me or like something in the dog world pointed this out to me. Like, I know you guys might not understand, but like, here's a breakthrough idea. Yeah. 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 And the thing that she, yes, it's interesting. Like, you know, the team I work on, we all love our pets. We have a Slack emoji keyboard of all of our dogs, which I feel particularly. Oh my God. Love it. (laughs) Um, 
but yeah, it's been, I think what she helps me bring to work is the, like, when you do community building work professionally, it is easy to slip into this place of thinking you have it figured out. Mm -hmm. The way to do that type of work is to honor the complexity and nuance and particularities of the people and the communities you're working alongside every time. And those things create attention in the work when you're kind of the expert in the room about how to do the connection, the connective tissue building, the the relationship building, and the way to do that is to honor all that you can't know. I feel like she keeps me pretty humble around some of that stuff. Like, then I come to my home where you expect that you are, these are the people and the the animals that you know best and still you have Mm -hmm. to learn each other in order to figure out and still you have to learn all the different ways to live together as and you have to give each other space to change and grow too and continue to relearn that mindfulness has certainly like certainly translates and her playfulness I think I can be I can get to a place where I take things so seriously and like oh yeah the requirement of play to do relationship building with Tyra has really helped me be like, take other things less seriously and build in Mm -hmm. play and joy, which is again, a value that I profess, but learning to embody it differently has been certainly a a journey she's invited me on. (laughs) Oh, totally. Like, because I, I feel that same way with Layla, Mm -hmm. like everything that you said about play. And, like, at first, it's, like, the intention, you know, like, I am going to, like, do play to build our relationship. Mm -hmm. And then you, like, start to see, okay, this, like, brings out a playful side of me. It brings out, like, a childlike side. Yeah. And then it's, like, you kind of have to, you you get that feeling once. And then, like, you have to bring that intention into, like, you know, your next play session with your dog or your everyday life with your dog in, like, some way. And then it's like after you have that intention over time, it does like become more of a habit Mm -hmm. and it translates into multiple areas, which is is really, really cool. Yeah. And there's also, yes, 100% to all of that. A memory is coming to mind I'd love to share because the other thing too is like all the ways she's fostered connections for us, even beyond like other things I might have considered boundaries or barriers to connection with other people. So we had a uh, refugee from Afghanistan living with us in January. And okay, cool. one of my favorite memories. So first of all, where he lived, no one had dogs as pets. <laughs> so interesting. Were they all strays? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So it was kind of, and he did not speak English and he's our age. And, you know, we learned to be mm-hmm. living together and to be in mutual relationship as much as we could. And um, it was very funny to watch him interact with Tyra, especially because it's not only like our pet, but our dog with wheels, you know? Right. But there was this moment where it was snowing and that was also a fairly new experience for him. And we went to the dog park and no, no one else was there. And so it was him, my husband, Jake, me, Ray and Tyra at the dog park, just like Ray will not do much running unless you run with her. Like she won't, you have to start her playing. She will not, she's not apt to do much playing. And so Jake started just like, he just took off across the dog park running. So Ray would run. Next thing I know, it's like 
the five of us are just like sprinting through the snow, like cracking up. And it was this delightful, pretty profound to me moment of like, wow, like look at this like connection and playfulness that like afterwards we got dinner together and brought it back to our condo and like still, you know, can't totally communicate, but it, the air shifted. Like there was this deeper Mm -hmm. sense of connection with one another that I feel like the dog really helped us foster because we like, we're going to take them out to play. We invited him to come. Like we wouldn't have just gone and run through the snow together if we didn't have dogs. Right. Exactly. (laughs) That, you know what I mean? Like you, as a kid, you play tag, you play chase, you, you know, play all those things. And you know, you get to like middle school and you stop having your recess. And then all of a sudden it's like you stop playing in general, you know, at your house with your friends in the backyard, you know, your parents probably aren't going to play with you as much. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, you get a dog and you're brought back to your like eight year old self rolling around on the grass. (laughs) Yes. And there's something really cool about like, and then we got to invite this other person to play with us and like, that was one of the most connected I really felt. We like that was one of the most like maybe not most connected, but the easiest point of connection we had had. And like it was totally beyond language barrier. And there's something really lovely about that interaction that I think about often. Wow, that really is like I can like picture it in my <laughs> mind right now. And like honestly, like it's such a beautiful thing for me to think about and like the way that you explained it. And like I can literally just see it in my mind right now. <laughs> and like it's making me so happy. Like it's making me smile from ear to ear, like just thinking about that and that story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that was like such a beautiful thing. Like mm-hmm. I can't wait for other people to hear that part of your story. Um <laughs> So cute. So, like, you've talked a lot about just like communities in general. Mm-hmm. So, I think I saw a video on your Instagram of like other dogs with wheels. Mm-hmm. So, have you found a community of other wheeled up pups and how has that helped you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I feel like I've I've done that in a few ways. There's a group on Instagram, this kind of wheelie whiz group that is always inviting folks in. There's like an Instagram group chat. I It's one of the most profound pieces of it for me is like a lot of dogs with wheels aren't Tyra's story. A lot of dogs with wheels were diagnosed with IVDD and they have spine problems. And so now they need wheels later on. And so that has been a place that a lot of, that a lot of dog owners are supporting each other in their mm-hmm. adjusting to wheelie life for a dog that didn't have wheels before. So that's been one piece. Right. I think because we have uh, pretty prominently talked about Tyra's journey and because she's a front wheel dog and we've tried to say pretty consistently across our page, like reach out to us, ask us questions, mm-hmm. you know, um, And we reach out to, anytime I see a dog with wheels, I'll reach out and just introduce myself and say hi and try to be a resource. We have a lot of people who just reach out to us and ask for support, especially because it's not as easy to find front wheels for dogs. Um, It makes such a difference, especially because like some of these insights we land on, you, it's like so much context to share with folks who aren't 
in this SMR scenario. And so when I just want to be able to have somebody like bear witness to a win in our world, <laughs> it's really helpful to be like, hey, big news. I just realized, turns out Tyra gets sore. <laughs> right, right. About like products like Tyra. <laughs> oh my gosh. The biggest nightmare for everyone in our home is trying to give Tyra a bath because she cannot mm-hmm. stand up on her own. And she slips in the tub underwater. Right. And she thinks she's going to drown even if you have half an, like, half an inch of water. And so we can, we're connected with this one dog who found a really helpful floaty that goes around the dog's collar. And oh, nice. It's intended to make sure dogs don't drown because mm-hmm. it's not a life vest that keeps it – like, it keeps their head from going under. Right. Super helpful. The other piece that's helpful is, you know – there are people that just don't get it. And we do mm-hmm. get nasty messages, as every Instagram person does, I'm sure. Right. But you take it so personally whenever it's your dog, it's your everything. And, like, obviously, you nor Tyra, like, asked for this situation. Sure. And it's, you know, it's so rooted in people who just don't get it. And, like, mm-hmm. they don't know her at all, of course. And I know that. Normally, it doesn't bother me. But in the moments it does... It really affects me. I can do my own kind of self-reflection to realize that sometimes that's an easy place for all my feelings to be channeled. But right. it's helpful to like, you know, we've gotten messages about wouldn't she be better if she had just been euthanized? Like, who do we think we are? Wow. Stuff like that. Like, who do we think we are? Like, trying to act like she could possibly have a good life. People don't get it. I know that. Mm-hmm. When those get to me, which isn't super often, but it happens, of course, when those get to me, it's really helpful to place them in those with other wheelie people because there's Mm -hmm. different understanding about the level of like delight and joy. And also, you know, I think it's also a helpful place to like let her be a real dog like she's not just this like she's not just this inspiring pristine creature she's like kind of a hot mess and it's really (laughs) helpful to be able to talk about that in the wheelie groups too of like she's a mess today you know or like she is my least favorite yeah today like and it's she's not just like off the hook for because she has wheels, you know, and so mm-hmm. it's helpful. Those groups have been helpful. Um, and, you know, inevitably we come up against things we haven't learned yet or we don't know how to navigate. Totally. We can't figure out. And those are the groups that we were really able to turn to. It's a huge help. Oh, my gosh. I, I so believe that because I just know whenever I first got on Instagram and started seeing Layla, like, display some behaviors that I was like, what in the world is going on? And, you know, it's like you, you grow up seeing dogs that are great. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a small dog growing up and then you get a dog that is like very scared of, of skateboards. And it's like, how do I even like deal with this? And then that moment when you're in it and you're so overwhelmed your your logic isn't working to the best of its ability. So it's so nice to be able to have somebody come in and say, oh, we've gotten over this before. This is like steps one, two, and three, or like this is a tip. And so I'm sure you've experienced that as well, especially with the bath thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yes. like my dog is so 
terrified of bass, but like it has to be done. It has to I'm have overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm overwhelmed. Like, how in the world am I going to help her? Yeah. And like, how are we going to do this? And then somebody swoops in and saves the day because they've Absolutely. been in that situation and are on the other side. Absolutely. And then, you know, we take seriously that like we want to be those people too. And so, you know, right. this company reached out to us recently and they have a chafing powder. This is mm-hmm. called Coat Defense. Super helpful. Like where Tyra's wheels hit on her stomach, she has no fur because it rubs oh, yeah. off. It's really helpful to have this chafing powder we can just throw on there. It makes it a little bit easier for her. She's not going to get her fur back there necessarily right. because we're going to keep using her wheels. But it helps it bring some ease. Like that's a thing no one's thinking about, you know, and like yeah. that's really helpful. And it's been really meaningful to me to watch all the ways that especially again this isn't our story but especially for people who whose dogs suddenly need wheels to be Mm -hmm. able to kind of have this place that we can really quickly say like here's a group of people who know what that's like who have been through that who can help you know what to expect and what's concerning and what's normal given your new set of conditions and so it's been really really a gift and we try whenever I love to travel and whenever we're kind of on the road I try to figure out who's nearby that we've connected with online to meet up with and that oh my gosh it's so fun isn't it it's so fun it's so it's so fun and you're in Kentucky is that right Mm -hmm. okay yeah we'll we'll call you when we're heading your way (laughs) yes um northern Virginia I feel like there's probably a pretty big group of dogs there so is that close to DC? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I live at okay. Dallas Airport. So twenty minutes. Oh, okay, okay, perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually lived in Arlington for a oh, summer nice. for a internship, and it was a really, really fun summer. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're right there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I went to um the the best grocery store. This is totally off topic, but the best grocery store I ever went to. Which one? My favorite was in Falls Church. It was a Harris Teeter. I like just absolutely love that grocery store. Amazing. I'm also Caroline. This is probably the moment we realized we should have been friends years ago because I also lived in Morgantown. No way. Mm -hmm. I went to school in Southwest Pennsylvania, like 30 minutes from WVU. But then I I worked at Mountain State Brewery in Morgantown. Shut up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The best. Yeah, the best. So I worked there for a while and loved it. So when I saw you were a mountaineer, I was like, yeah, I get it. So makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. So no, that's so funny. Like literally such a small world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. We, we went to Mountain State like constantly. Mm-hmm. So did we. <laughs> we were 40, our college was 40 minutes away and we would come every week. And then I worked there for some time after I graduated, which was fun. I loved it. Oh, how fun. So did you ever, like, actually live in Morgantown? Um, I didn't live in – I lived right outside. So I lived, like, 15 minutes out of it. But I spent all my time there because I'm from the D.C. area and there's nothing to do. That's not fair. There's right. as much to do in Southwest Pennsylvania as there was in DC. And so Morgantown is really it for me. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And really like Morgantown like doesn't have that much to do, but <laughs> I get it. They I get it. Yeah. State, so sorry. Yeah. I mean, it has like some nice breweries, some nice places to eat. Yeah. Yeah. 
I hope you like never wanted to like shop or like do anything at a mall because their mall is trash. <laughs> but like, <laughs> no, we can do without a mall for some time. So that was okay. Yeah. Some great like hiking spots, yes. like going to um, Cooper's Rock mm-hmm. and um, one place that we never went to, well, I never went to, Bobby went to, was Dolly Sods. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, like, not in Morgantown, but it's in West Virginia. That's one place that I would really like to go to. Yeah, it's beautiful there. Beautiful. Yeah. I don't know, like, how I never made it down there, but I guess it does make a bit of sense because I was never, like, really into the outdoors and hiking until after college. Oh, really? So, yeah, it wasn't really until, like, my senior year that I, like – Sure. wanted to be outside more sure that makes sense, that makes sense. yeah so I always like want to go back specifically to Dolly Sobs now um and then we just haven't we haven't been back up there uh really since we graduated um so it's been like over two years which is pretty crazy to think about but like the pandemic happened and yeah, so absolutely I haven't been in a long time either but I'm hoping to hoping to make a trip in the next few months is my plan so oh well if you like ever go for a football game or something like please let us know like we will come to one i will i will that'd be so fun that would be fun it would be yeah that would be really fun okay this has been a great conversation um i do have a few more questions so you've talked like just so much already about how Tyra has taught you, taught you about humility and like community building and like connecting the dots and empathy. One thing that you said in like before we were talking was how she's taught you about resilience. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to just like hear a little bit about that and how she's taught you about resilience and like picking yourself back up. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I feel like I watch her just, she's just gonna figure it out. Like she, it's, some of it for me is like Tyra is so fully herself in a way that's really fun to watch. Um, And she's just gonna figure it out. And like we'll have really bad wheel training days or like she'll flip some, we had a once. One like I saw a picture of like her in the flowers. <laughs> oh my gosh! And she's never hurt. Like it's never right. I was so nervous to post that because I was so ready for backlash. But like she's really fine. But that's mm-hmm. exactly it. Like she, there was one time she ran so hard she flipped. Like she didn't even hit anything, or she wasn't like leaning too far forward. But like I don't know. After like a tough wheel training day where she's grumpy or she's hurting or we're not she's confused like the next day I'm so like like I have to muster myself up to go back at it and she's just ready to go like and not because she always wants to be in her wheels when we're especially when we're doing the training on them and not because she's always comfortable but like she'll do it like she just I I watch like and that's some of it I think is I think sometimes I get caught in this trap of um, like I have to feel a certain way before I'll do a certain thing. And right. that is the place that can like impede my own resiliency at times. Tyra 
lets herself feel the thing. She communicates what she's feeling and then she does the thing anyway. And that has been so great to watch and to reframe resilience as like she keeps getting back up. And like, it's not this like sunshiny, beautiful attitude all the time or like this, you know, again, like it's not just butterflies and rainbows all day long with her. Like she'll be grouchy, but she'll, she'll do it. And she'll, if she gets stuck in a spot or trying to help her get unstuck and learn kind of, again, how do you, her mobility and different ways she can maneuver her wheels. Like we'll sit there for like, 35 minutes sometimes as she's figuring out how to get unstuck but like she doesn't she doesn't give up she keeps moving she keeps figuring it out and that's been really cool to watch and has really like been permission to be like all right girl we're both grouchy but we're doing the thing anyway and that's been a really important like I do I think that's resilience and I think like she's exceptional on her wheels now and that was hard one for both of us and you know is a testament like we couldn't that was that couldn't have just been me it required her willingness to keep trying even though like there was a time she really she would run the other direction when I got her wheels out (laughs) so you know but she would do it she wouldn't she's committed to figuring it out and she's committed to she knows what she wants to do and she figures out a way to do it and that's been really cool Yeah. I was thinking about like, what even is resilience the other day? Like I was trying to think about like what it is, um, instead of just like looking up a definition online. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, it's like getting through the Mm -hmm. resistance, pushing past the resistance of like not to do something. And I like what you said, you know, it's not about like your, it's not like if it's rainbows and sunshine, like while you're getting through the resistance, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah getting through kind of right and I think that's like really interesting to think about because I feel like resilience is such like a Mm -hmm. I don't know it's like right up there with like brave you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like whenever you think of the word like brave like kind of has like the same context say or like connotation and like you think of like somebody who's like super strong and like you know, on the other side, like on top of the mountain. Totally. Or, but like, if you're really resilient, you're like pushing through, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you are just like, yeah. Getting through, like you, like you have persistence, you have stamina. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's like all of those words, whenever you really think about it, it's like, it's just crazy mm-hmm. to, to think about like what that really means to each person. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. I love I really appreciate what you shared. I I sit so much with like how often we want the story to include a positive attitude. <laughs> and like right. I'm about a positive attitude when I have a positive attitude. But there are times that that expectation keeps me from doing the thing because I'm like, oh, totally. like, I'm so I've so linked like to be resilient is to feel X, Y, and Z that when I don't feel those things, I must not be resilient. And actually it's been helpful again, like to be able to be like, we are grouchy today, but we're going to do the thing like that. Mm-hmm. And like, we like the mindfulness of the long game while tending to whatever's coming up right now has been a, like, that's such an important learning for me. And, and I, we try to be honest about, you know, we want to be joyful and we want to be encouraging and that's right. an important part of who we would like to be online. And I want to be honest about like, 
her getting here was not the product of a constant positive attitude <laughs> on either. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. like that, I think that's a really important thing to to think about and like sit with and like just be honest about it because it gives other people like the expectation that they need or, you know, like the the realization that they're going through the same thing and like it's going to be good one day, but like it's not going to be good every day. Totally, totally, yeah. And, and like, Gosh, but all those tough days feel so permanent and like right. that's also been helpful. She's I think that's what's helpful for me is like we start our new days of training where like she's not carrying whatever yesterday's training looked like. And that's been a helpful invitation for me to not do that either. You know, that like, okay, like I we had a terrible day of training yesterday and so I'm assuming today's gonna be the same and like she's really not. And that's been really helpful. Like, okay, like can we clean slate from this morning that has been so important (laughs) yeah I I love that yeah that that's been like man if you could just like take like the last like 30 minutes that we've talked and like the emotional like kind of cognizant emotional intelligent pieces and like wrap them all up like that's like just such it's so like I guess like it just really like what's the word paints like a really good picture of like what my mission is like for dog mom mentality and like, yeah. my account and like all the things that I'm like trying to do like talking about exactly like how our dogs have like shaped us mm-hmm. and like helped us grow and like the ways that we take that into our lives beyond just dog ownership exactly. I think that you know our two stories are like totally different right like sure. in terms of like how our dogs are like you know breed size ability like you know what I mean just like all the different things and like we still come to the same point of view of like our dogs have taught us so much and like we're we're growing from it which I think is just so cool it is cool I'm also excited for your journal that's so great I'm really I think it's great I really do yeah I'm I'm super excited about it um I will show you a sneak peek after this if you would like I would love it love it don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, okay, to wrap things up, I would love to hear what having a dog mom mentality means to you. Yeah, having a dog mom mentality to me is to be playful, to be an advocate, to let my pups invite me to be with them in the moment, uh, to let them be their whole selves and let that also be an invitation for me to be that and and to keep keep figuring out together what it means to be in relationship to one another and to live together and to to build a life that that feels like goodness for us both that's great i i also love the the playfulness that is just like one thing that i always come back to too i feel like we have a lot of the same values mm-hmm. like from dog ownership and I really appreciate that me too thank you for having me this is such a treat oh of course I I loved getting to talk to you and I loved learning like more about you and Tyra and Ray and and your husband and the community that you've built and like how intentional and like just receptive you are to other people and like intentional you are with your community and everything that you're doing so thank you so much for coming on thank you so
Yeah. If you could tell everybody like where to find you on Instagram and if you do like have a pup that has wheels, be sure to reach out to Kay. I think you would love it. Yeah. I would love to connect. Um, or if you're just curious, I'm always eager to connect. Oh, our Instagram is wheeled up pup with underscores in between each word. Wheeled up pup. So that's it. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. And yeah, I hope you have a great rest of your day. I'm going to end the recording, but I'll show you a sneak peek of the journal. I'm a big journaler. Please do. Okay. I'm excited. Well, thanks everyone for listening to another episode. I hope you have a great day. Thanks everyone. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. My name is Caroline. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Dog Mom Mentality. And if you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And if nothing else, I hope you get to play with your dog today.